North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, is a proud sponsor of Season 4 of The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Imagine with us a future where all the wars are won and traveling our cosmos is just as easy as taking the train. Welcome to Season 4 recap of The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Going up... Welcome, Welcome to the, the OSL Intergalactic Train Station, station where all of our Milky Ways within your reach. Please follow the illuminated path to the ticket kiosk, your train line, and other needs you may have about the station. Next traveler, please. One token to the Joshua Johnson Museum of Art, please. One token to the Joshua Johnson Museum of Art round trip. Please sit anywhere you like in the car, as all of our seating has been made accessible. Would you like a complimentary escort to your car? No, that won't be necessary. Thank you. Confirmed. Admittance to the museum is ensured as you'll be arriving via Lunar Station. Please keep your token as it will act as a universal translator within the museum. Trains leave every 20 minutes with the next to leave in two minutes. Please enjoy your trip and thank you for choosing the Octavia Estelle Butler Intragalactic Train Station. Now arriving, JJMA Express, Moonbound. Please stand clear of the closing doors. Welcome aboard. You are on the JJMA Express Moonbound. Please find and remain in your seats for the entirety of our trip. Our train will be departing in three, two, one. Our estimated time of arrival is in four minutes. The Joshua Johnson Museum of Art is excited to present its feature exhibit, Black Technologies of the Menopausal Multiverse. This visual and auditory exhibition highlights the cultural narrative shifting work of the 21st century done by the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, established in 2019 by creator and curator Omishadi Brittany Scott. Sit back and listen to Omishadi herself creator producer of the podcast, Mariah M., and a few of their guests ground you in the ethos of their platform and their team. This is weird thing that white supremacy has done mm-hmm. where if you have the audacity to want to tell your story, that folk feel like you're um, 
feeling yourself. You're smelling yourself. Right. You're, or you you're, want attention. Or... You want attention. You're self-aggrandizing or something like mm-hmm. that. And the honest part of that for so many of us, especially for so many people who have existed at the intersection of whatever marginalized identity they exist at, is that your voice is often silenced. It's erased. Mm-hmm. Like you might tell parts of your story, but have you been able to tell what I like to call your full-throated story? Like everything mm. that you would like to be able to say because it's yours. It's your story mm-hmm. to tell. For there to be so many people in the world Listen. who have gone through menopause. And will go through menopause. And will go through it. And for us not to talk about it is ridiculous. So much of what I have learned in the last three years around this platform of Black Girls Guide is that our understanding of menopause is so limited. Mm-hmm. It is so limited because we are looking at it through a very thin slice that is very gendered and is very assumptive around the age, right? Mm. So the assumption is everybody who experiences menopause will identify as a woman. Mm-hmm. Everybody who experiences menopause will likely experience it in their 40s or their 50s. Everybody who experiences menopause is heterosexual. Mm. Everybody who experiences menopause wanted to have children or did Mm. have children. Look at the swirls of the assumptions that are just like all in there. And I'm thinking, gosh, what we're doing is getting at this through this gender liberation ethic. That's not actually a full, complete or accurate statement. We are not ashamed of this conversation around menopause, and we are absolutely not ashamed of being Black people who elevate Black stories. You can't control where the story lives. You show up for the story. You make space for the story. You invite the story. You honor and affirm the story, but you can't control where it lives or how it gets distilled by someone else or how it gets passed on by someone else. You can only be present in that moment, honor that moment, be grateful for that moment. And I'm grateful for the people who've been willing to share their stories with me. I'm grateful for the people who have been willing to make themselves vulnerable, who've made offerings of resource, information, education, all of the things. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you for listening and riding the JJMA Express and enjoy your time at the premier black museum this side of Earth's moon. Now arriving, JJMA Express, Earthbound. Welcome to the Joshua Johnson Museum of Art. Please select which exhibit you will be touring today. You have selected our featured exhibition. Please take these complimentary headphones and make your way to the gallery by following the illuminated path. Place your headphones on when you are ready to begin. And thank you for joining us. Headphones connected. Now entering the menopausal multiverse.
This is Omi Shade Bernie Scott, and welcome to the Black Technologies of the Menopausal Multiverse. The voices and stories featured in this exhibition include our guests from season four of the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause and myself. But what exactly are Black technologies? These are methods, strategies, and formulas that those born with uteri have learned and adopted in their lifetime in order to survive, thrive, and move in the fullness of themselves as they navigate the liminal journey of menopause. Some technologies picked up on the way include, but are not limited to, spiritual practices and embodiment, tarot and other forms of divination, community as praxis, intentional intergenerationality, and the dispelling and exploration of gender and gender roles. Throughout the exhibit, you will hear varying perspectives on womanhood and queerness. We open with a grounding of queerness and the technology detailed by trans storyteller, Austin Smith. The way I see queer, what comes to mind is my teacher friend, Dr. Bayo Komalafe. He's more like my big brother. And he talks at one point about how seeing is an algorithm. Mm -hmm. Like it's a program. How you see the world is an algorithm. It's a set of, of measurements and stories. And I really think that to see the world with a Black lens is to see the world in a queer lens. Mm -hmm. And so... Queerness then being an algorithm, a way of seeing the world. So you can be queer in sexuality, but not be queer politically and not be queer, you know, and so there's these different ways that our identities can be queered. But I do think that what speaks to me as far as my queerness is to see it as a lens, like a filter, like an Instagram filter. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that how I engage in the world, even if it's not through the means of what is viable or visible is still a querying. And so then everything I do is a querying. Nobody knew what to do with a 30 year old black trans person experience in menopause. So it's like a yes. And so, yes, I had the support. And even when you look up things and you're researching the research, the science is based off of typically white women who have been through menopause at the age of, at an age that I wasn't at. I felt like there was no, like the resources I was looking for were super straight, super white and super cis-centered. And I was like, none of this is helping me. Oh, look, I have people in my own world. So I actually called you Omi. <laughs> and I was like, will you help me? <laughs> and so even when people were being helpful, yeah. And they're offering this support. They're like, I read something and it says this. And I'm like, that's not, that's not tailored toward me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not about me. And like, that doesn't incorporate my experience as somebody who is significantly younger than the age in which this is supposed to start. And so I did have the support and they did the best that they could. I did have a therapist who had been my therapist for years and they were white, gender queer. And they were like, I already know that they're the ones that were like, it sounds like you're going through menopause. Let me do my own research. And so my therapist did the research, came back and was like, yeah, you should look into this. And they looked into gender affirming surgeries, the medically induced menopause, like they did their homework. They came to me and they gave me their findings. And then they let me know, like, this language is violent to you. Mm -hmm. And so... 
what I can do is I can read these off to you and I can change the language in real time so that you get the experience of having an understanding of yourself Mm -hmm. in the material, knowing that it's not actually for you. I've actually been sitting with this piece, this transmenopausal piece, because I've wanted to expand and I haven't really been sure how to expand. But one of the ways that I really needed to sit with is understanding that the performance of progression is not the same thing as progression. And so I had a lot of my medical team, they were performing this progressive stance of, yes, transgender affirming identities here. Let's use your pronouns. We want to make sure you see that we're doing the right thing and that we're not transphobic. And so that was the surface of that experience. When you're living within an invisibilized, marginalized existence for so long, that sort of flattery can seem like recognition and those are not the same things. And so I think it took me a while to be like, wait a minute, they didn't actually care for me. Like they cared about my pronouns, but they didn't actually inform me of what to expect afterwards, nor did my medical team really prepare me for like what to expect afterwards. And then when I did experience complications, because I had complications for months after the surgery, that I wasn't held in the way that I think I needed at the time. Coming up next in Black Technologies, learning and honoring your fullest self and the body you were given. The Flower of Wands, the Raven, represents the thirst and passion for life that has matured beyond the roots level of dedication and drive. We reach a state of mastery that inspires us to explore and reveal more of ourselves. Thriving, we peel back the layers to get closer to our whole selves. We can nourish both our passion and our need to develop a sense of self. Be who you are, fearlessly and unapologetically. And I was like, Damn. Come on. Be who you are <laughs> for your pride. I was also really excited to do this with a uterus haver that's that's not a woman because I think a lot of times when I'm talking to cis women who are either sort of trying to wrap their mind around trans issues and non-binary issues or or are sort of borderline resistant and i say things like biology is not destiny what is going like our inner parts do not determine our gender and i'm secure enough in my gender identity that what somebody else's gender identity is does not affect me and here is a great opportunity for us to redefine what it means to be a woman what will it be like for me when the periods officially do stop would it be like for me when all of these different things change in my body and all those kind of things. And so because all so many Black people know is loss. Yeah. And because so many of us have had to figure out how we're going to rig ourselves in this thing, it, it just feels like, ugh, uh-huh. yet another thing. However, when you put it in conversation, like, again, the person who is political, I'm like, oh, this is not me. I don't need to feel a type of way about this. I don't need to have shame about this. Gender is such a scam and so ridiculous. The for the people it was actually created for, mm-hmm. they not comfortable in their body. <laughs> they not happy with themselves. Right. 
they, they trying to war against growing old, right? And so when I look at it over here, it's like, oh, baby, it ain't personal. It's systemic. Mm-hmm. It's structural. It ain't me. <laughs> it ain't me. And maybe, you know, part of getting older is realizing it's like what I really desire is for someone to see me authentically. And mm-hmm. that doesn't have so much to do with my hair or my nose or my lips or my boobs or my mm-hmm. butt. It's like, what's my heart? Like, I have a spectacularly beautiful, tender heart. And I'm trying to give myself permission every day to be grateful for that tender heart, that it is not, a, it's not fragility, it doesn't make me weak, and that the people who I choose to share that tender heart with, whomever they are, whether that's friends, comrades, lovers, you know, I want us to engage in some spiritual reciprocity. This is not mm-hmm. about me filling you up and you not filling me mm-hmm. up. I'm not, I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. I feel like I'm in this new place in my life personally where I'm like seeking out romantic and intimate partnerships where I'm allowed to be spacious and that there is an intentional releasing of assumptions around gender performance and gender mm. identity in terms mm. of sex. Mm-hmm. Um which has been really fun to have those conversations and to allow that to happen. Lastly, on Black technologies, what we are owed and what comes next. Please make your way to the beginning of the exhibit. Coming up next in Black technologies, relationships unbound by space, age, or time. And then there were these times where I had these relationships with some folk who were older than me. And it looks like, or reminds me of our relationship where it was a a true friendship Mm -hmm. Um, where they would ask my opinion on things. They would ask me to break things down. We shared intimacy in a way that allowed me to see them in their humanity as opposed to their role or their public avatar or their position in community. And Mm -hmm. I really respected that having older OG civil rights, black liberation activists, organizers kind of in my ecosystem, teaching, mentoring, guiding, but not always in relationship in a way that felt like friendship Mm -hmm. or felt like, I don't know, reciprocal, like respectful. So And it was very dynamic. So there were definitely people who I felt like who would impart wisdom and we were just kind of gobbling it up. Mm -hmm. I didn't consider or think about what I might offer to that person. That wasn't my consideration. It's definitely sometimes top down energy of just like, all right, you've been here for how many seconds? You know, is your brain fully developed? Mm. And so it's, it's more of a I'm more of a sponge than somebody who can also offer water, you Mm know, Mm -hmm. and And so, yeah, to be in this dynamic was just like, oh, you trust that I have something to offer and, but you also have something to learn for what I have to offer. It is not an extraction of labor. That's not a symbiotic exchange, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, which, mm -hmm. which feels really good. And honestly, yeah, that's not something to be experienced in a lot of spaces or it's a thing of like, oh, it's an elder. Let the elder speak. Everybody Mm -hmm. be quiet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. you're taking their information, which mm-hmm. definitely holds and has its value. But again, what does it mean to be a forever student? Mm. You know, if we're not in the bounds of like a 
carceral school system. Like, what does it mean to be a forever student? And for me, it means that there's always opportunities to learn and there's always opportunities to to teach what you know. This friend and peers thing. I make a distinction between friend and peers. And I don't know if I'm splitting hairs, but I am friends with my kids. I enjoy them very much. There are some Black parenting-isms that I also don't want to carry forth. You know, the running joke, I'm not one of your little friends. I'm not one of your little friends. I'm not one of your little friends is a Blackism that is said quite often. What I'm clear is we're not peers. So, like, for me, peers means that we kind of share a a generational footprint together. Mm -hmm. There's some things that we understand just because of the time that we were born in and maybe some of the shared experiences we have. But we can still be friends, especially as someone who has, I think, a real wide range of friendships from people who are older than me to people who are younger than me. So certainly, why would I not be able to share deep friendships with my kids? Like I'm breaching some type of karmic rule to say to my kids, we're not friends, which when you say that to your kid, how does that land on them? I know, right? Now, when you think about that, you're like, that's horrible. If I said that to my peer. Right. Right. right, If I said to my peer, I'm not your little friend, you know, I'm going to get cussed out. (laughs) You're like, was that necessary? Like, yeah. I'm going to be your friend either. I wish I had the gift of time travel that I could extend first to myself because I would definitely want to go back and have a conversation with my mom, but also to the to so many people who now from where we sit have a much deeper appreciation and understanding of our mother's journeys. Mm-hmm. Early when I had that divination, perhaps. And what I've come to understand over the last 25 years is that the diviner, the oracle that God and the Orisha were saying to me, the healing that you are doing from your parents, that you are now extending to your children, they will extend to their children. And that makes you a wealthy person. Come on now. That makes you a wealthy person. The people who live in this world who call you mama will be so much healthier than you were because you're going to be so much healthier Mm. than you were. And that's intergenerational wealth to have hundred percent human beings who are moving yes. in the world who are so clear about who they are and their truth and feel safe in a in a country that is not safe for us yeah it's such yeah. a big deal lastly on black technologies what we are owed and what comes next please make your way to the beginning of the exhibit your body is always going to be changing and don't you deserve yeah. guideposts and information, yeah. recipes, medicine, yeah. comrades, mm-hmm. um, confidants that you can talk to as you're journeying. What a gift it still is, even if this society looks weird and it's crumbling to be black and to be alive and to have a body. Mm-hmm. Whether that body is disabled, mm-hmm. whether that body is fat, whether that body is old, whether that body is, is missing a limb, 
no matter what, like that you're still alive, you're still here. And how can you make it a little bit more sweeter for yourself? Even if that sweetness is not going to come from the nation and our government. I think the future of this conversation is one that is rooted in radical queerness. And that even if you are, quote unquote, don't identify as queer, you will be informed by a radical queer politic that will assist you in thinking about the body differently, your gender differently, and that at any given moment in time, you could claim a gender, you can reject the gender, and you can construct whatever gender you want and need for yourself. And so to me, in the future, Black life is prolonged. And because Black life is prolonged, we're actually excited to have conversations about the different milestones these Black bodies will be able to engage in. And we'll, be have, we'll have systems, we'll have tips, we'll have zines, we'll mm. have all the things like, okay, but when you're 40, you need think about this. When you're 45, think about this. When you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70, think about these things. Why? Because premature Black death hopefully will be in the rear view and we could think the long game around, okay, I'm going to have this body, it's going to do some things and I'm going to appreciate all the things it's going to do or the the way it's going to do things differently or not be able to do things, do that thing at all. And I'm going to count it all joy. Oh, oh, you're not there yet to talk with your partner or your mom or right. your kid right. about these things. There's a whole four seasons mm. that you can just bear witness to mm-hmm. and feel less anxious about entering a conversation with something that may not deal with you at all personally, mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. But if you care about somebody who mm-hmm. has experienced menopause, will experience menopause, is experiencing menopause then there's no reason that this podcast is not for you. Hey folks, it's Omi. I want to thank you for joining us in the menopausal multiverse. We hope that you are leaving this space with a greater understanding of menopause and your relationship to it, but there is so much more to explore. While this exhibition highlights season four of the podcast, there are three seasons prior to to delve into found anywhere podcasts are available. We encourage you to continue the conversation on menopause and we've created a technology just for that via the Seymour deck made in partnership with Kendra. It is available for purchase online at www.ourkendra.com. You can also grab a copy of the Cartographer's Guide to the Say More Deck at bit.ly forward slash Say More Toolkit, all lowercase. Be sure to follow us on the social media relic Instagram at Black Girls Guide to Menopause. You can also follow me at Omishade Bernie Scott. We all at the Black Girls Guide platform appreciate your support and listenership, and we'll see you again soon on the dark side of the moon. This concludes the Black Technologies of the Menopausal Multiverse exhibit. Please feel free to recycle, regift, or retain your headphones for personal use. Thank you for choosing the Joshua Johnson Museum of Art. The next express train earthbound leaves in five minutes.
now entering JJMA Metro. Now departing JJMA Express, Earthbound. Please stand clear of the closing door. 